This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Ho, 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 boys and girls. Have you all been good this year? It is I, Santa Nova, bringing you season's greetings. Jeff, have you been good this year? I don't know. Does flooding my downstairs neighbor count me on the naughty list? <laughs> that does not sound like a very good thing that you Hold did, on. Jeffrey. I didn't do it on purpose, Santa Nova. It just happens that a pipe in the back of my bathtub happened to overflow and, <laughs> and flood my downstairs neighbor. Give to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash the ropes. <laughs> that might put me on the naughty list, begging for money. But uh, no, I'm begging for money after flooding your neighbor definitely puts you on Santa Nova's naughty list. A lump of coal for you. You'll have to watch 10 hours of wrestling a week. Wait, I already do that. Um, (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that'll put me on the uh, naughty list. But if I had made a GoFundMe and gone to my friends and given a sob story, it'd put me on the nice list. I like that it's a GoFundMe like you're the victim, but the victim's clearly downstairs yeah, exactly. here. Like th- this would be this would be a peak level GoFundMe, very twenty twenty. <laughs> well, that's what people do. I mean, it's like I got a expense. It's true. Yeah, I help caused a car it. accident. Please help me yeah, pay for it's it. Like, help me pay for this car accident. It's like, was it your fault? They never put that in there. They just say I had a car accident. <laughs> did I ever tell you? Since this is like the AMA, did I ever tell you the story about the girl? I dated, um, we dated for about two months and didn't work out or whatever, but she was staying at my place for the last month and I was still working at the captioning company. Um, she brought over a ton of stuff to my house and like, when was one of it a up, dude? I- <laughs> what? Was one of the things she brought over another dude? Cause that would just be peak. No, no, you're merging, you're merging different relationships. Oh, I didn't even know about that one. Okay, go ahead. No, 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 no. She, this one, she was just kind of, um, just not, not all there. Not all there, um, would be the way I would generally, generously describe her. So I, um, I, I pack up all of her stuff and when we break up, she gets real emotional. She's like, I don't even want to take any of my stuff. You can just throw it all away. And I'm like, no, we're not just going to throw away all your stuff. That's ridiculous. Um, you're very mad right now. How about you calm down and whenever you want to come and get your stuff, I will have all of your stuff set aside and ready for you to load in and we'll load it in part of the ways. And she storms off. Later that night, um, a mutual friend of mine goes, hey, what did you do to X? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he links me to her GoFundMe where she she has made this big GoFundMe about how I have destroyed all of her stuff that (laughs) I got mad at her and maniacally was like, you don't get to keep anything. (laughs) I I mean, dude, like the language in there, it painted me like a madman. And all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Oh, by the way, I discover this while captioning a news out in California. Like I'm on the air and I'm like, reading Facebook as I was want to do while I was captioning stuff I was not particularly interested in or like reading news or whatever else. And I see this and I'm like, whoa, oh my God. Meanwhile, I'm like spurting out weather for Los Angeles or whatever. 
Um, so I decided, okay, well, there's a real easy way to make all this story seem completely illegitimate. And I just start taking photos of all of her stuff and just like posting the comments on the GoFundMe. Hey, uh, you know, here, here's some photos of all of your stuff. It's all completely intact. I'm, I'm not sure what you're talking about here, but um, I've got it all ready for you to pick up whenever you want. She ends up deleting the GoFundMe. <laughs> like, like it, pops, it pops the balloon. She ends up deleting the whole thing. Um, and then eventually I contact uh, the mutual friend and he ends up getting the stuff. He's just like, oh my God, dude. And I was like, yeah, I was like, Look, um, you know, I'm never going to see you again because you were like her friend, not my friend so much here. But like, here's all of her stuff. Um, just will you please get it to her? And he did. Um, and then he texted me after he did and like yeah, it all got resolved. But uh, yeah, dude, people do crazy things with GoFundMes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, you, you kind of I, I, I'll only kind of tie it in because I haven't had anything like that relationship wise, but you know, it, it's like when, when I woke up, was it two weeks ago or last week with, with all these things, all these racist things I had supposedly said, I'm like, no, I, I, I never said that. It's, you know, here's what I say right here. <laughs> You're just kind of watching that go funny. Go, I have her stuff in boxes right here. What is she talking about? Where'd she get that photo of the burning teddy bear? Where'd she, <laughs> I mean, like the language, like I, it was vivid descriptions of things that absolutely did not happen. Like me, like throwing the stuff into the dumpster and like laughing at her and telling her she can't keep anything. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? Like, it was, it was a very, it was a very surreal experience. It's called um, poetic I, license, I, Chris. I'm an artist. Yeah, no, no, it, it was vivid. It was, it was really, really. That was part of her problem. Um, her, her imagination would would paint interesting constructions of reality that weren't real. I'm a storyteller, Chris. How dare you crap on my art? Really exploring the space. Really exploring the space. <laughs> Oh, speaking of speaking of storytelling, NXT seven hundred ninety five thousand, AEW six hundred eighty three thousand. Yeah, but how how they doing the demo? Oh my goodness! Everybody's talking about like, well, it must be the young people watching the impeachment hearings, and I, I go, I don't know what. <laughs> are the impeachment vote? And I Whoa, laugh my. The yeah. hearings are during the day. All the, if you were going to watch that, was what, it the I vote don't in the evening? The vote, the actual and the vote, vote. Yeah, but I, I mean, come on, like, I, you, like <laughs> you're the politico is, here, so I'll try yeah, I, I, that, I'm the politico who also watches wrestling. So, like, I, I hadn't heard this argument, but no, that's that's a not so argument. Oh that's no, not that was, uh, I believe, I believe Dave was given that as a reason for all the numbers being down. I just think it's because it's the holidays. Okay. Um, yeah, but I would do. Yeah, I think that's some- part of it, but I, I also think that it's. In part, a reflection of AEW's unsteady product and slightly draggy show. Yeah, I'll get into this in, in a moment real quick. But I think the best point was made that really kind of gave me a step back was former host of this show, Rob McCarron. He goes, not enough is being said that on their debut, they had 1.6 million people interested right. in this show. Right. And it has now fallen to under half of that weekly. That's a problem. 
I don't care this who's is winning. What the I've demos. been talking about with the raw numbers, though. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That's oh, why they're winning the eighteen the to forty-nine. Total. They're winning the eighteen to forty-nine crowd against NXT, which is treated like a stepchild in WWE canon. Congratulations, guys. You know it's. I I don't know if it's the Dark Order thing altogether. I'm not going to say it is because there's a place in re- those types of stables have existed in wrestling. Since as long as I've been wrestling, the problem is they've never been main event for more than one cycle. You know, going back to kind of your area of of the country, Devastation Incorporated was never the main heels in world class, except for maybe one feud against the Von Eriks. And then they'd go back to the Freebirds or Chris Adams or whoever, you know, it it would just be, you know, kind of uh, kind of a, a, a bridge feud to get to more main event type things. I just think I don't understand where this concept of we have to tell stories. It's just for me, it's more the instincts that we have to be cinematic here and we have to have character development plotted through this, that and the other. When of all people, our boy Lanza from the flagship, it's like, look, two people who hate each other build a feud. That's what wrestling is. It's not these He's come on. He's not this soap opery, you know, days of our lives circa 2000 or whatever, when they had like deep demonic possession stories and soap operas and things like that. It's 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 not a, a difficult thing. And I just I just think there's way there's way too much about AEW right now other than the crowd. That just the crowd is great. That the, the crowd makes all the difference in yes. the world. I was thinking about that as I was watching SmackDown, where like some of those segments, which were actually you know kind of decent, like just Dana Brooke and Bailey's little match. I thought Dana Brooke is showing serious improvement, but that crowd was absolutely flat. And I was thinking about that AEW crowd that is usually very charitable. But I mean, the other part, dude, is just so many heel factions. So many heel factions. You have Jericho's inner circle, and I think. In order for the Dark Order to really kind of make sense, in my opinion, I, I think they have to be kind of teasing around in the main event scene. The whole thing should be to take over everything. But I thought they jumped the story. I mean, you did anticipate at some point Evil Uno and all of these you know, dudes that he is assembling, these like loser dudes he's assembling and putting under mass. I think he it made some sense that, you know, at some point there was going to be this big invasion thing, but I assumed that that was going to happen when Jericho in the inner circle was a little bit more out of the way. See, I assumed it was going to be one of those things like, this is going to be like the NWA equivalent of Jimmy Valiant versus Paul Jones's army. You can have the Dark Order feud for years with guys on the mid-card. If this was Joey Janela getting attacked by the Dark Order. That would be something. But to have them on the main event level, when you have the inner circle and the inner circles out there, you know, I liked I liked the story of, of Jungle Boy and the 10 minutes and then the extra five. I did. It, it's it's a it's one of the most classic tropes in professional wrestling. It, what do you think about the finish of that? Um, Remind me. So Jericho demands the extra five. Yes. They they wrestle a little bit more. He walks away after. I'm fine with that. I can't can't beat this guy as much as I want. I thought that didn't make a ton of sense. 
Oh, I, and okay. I thought that Jungle Boy should have chased after him. I, I, you know, like Jungle Boy just left in the ring, kind of standing there as Jericho's standing up with Shivani. And then I think Jericho's ham tendencies get in the way I'd of agree. a lot of the storytelling. Yeah, I, I agree with that somewhat. I, I don't mind the champ because that's that's what champs do is they go, okay, you know what? You can't beat me, and I know it, so I'm just going to leave, you know, kind of thing. I, I thought that was fine. I thought that was actually quite good, to be honest with you. It's it just- was abrupt. It, it was off of a crucifix, Jake's standing, and the reason Jericho demanded the mat or demanded a continuation of the match, theoretically, is because he had Jake so broken down, and at the 10-minute mark, he's selling like he's half dead. Yeah, uh, but but then then they get the extra five, and he realizes he can't beat him. So rather than face humiliation, he he quits, and I'm fine with that. I'm I'm good with that actually, because okay. it continues the story. He doesn't have to beat him. There doesn't have to be a resolution here. It's setting something up for later, I think. Yeah, and and then I guess when he's up there, once he says ski of own, <laughs> he just like okay, that's funny. Yeah, I I get it, but it completely takes away from the friggin' story you were no, just telling it. in the ring. It makes he, him he it makes him flaky he, heel versus Le champion heel, which is right. I think, what and, we and, want. and the whole oh, this is a big this is a big mountain for Jake Perry to climb. It gets undermined by the fact that Jericho's hamming. Yeah, he he kind of kills kills the goodwill by doing comedy after that. As opposed right. to and, and it recenters on me, him you know? too much. He should be yeah. angry. He should be angry. And throwing a temper tantrum. The scene and ends how this focused is on him and not Jake. Yeah. Oh, no. That's that's actually the best point of this is that it draws focus from the guy you're trying to build to the personality you're you're not. So, yeah. No, I, I that part. Yeah, I have to. I know at the backtrack how much I liked it, to be honest with you, because that makes me do a kind of a double take on the whole thing. Yeah, I, I just there was a way to do this. I get the classic old school booking style of it, but um, yeah, I, I think that there were some things missed in this. Uh, Chris Statlander is doing an Ultimate Warrior gimmick. What? I okay. Here is Load where the spaceship I, with the rocket fuel, Jeff. Here is where I got into a, a, it a bit with a guy who, not, I mean, it wasn't heated, but we were having conversations about this. If you want me to take this is this this just feeds into some of I think Kenny Omega's worst instincts about booking is that I think people want these women to be for lack of a better term I think the socio-political angle of women as athletes and being really good versus the entertaining stuff is going to I've said it's going to be a clash for a while because you're using Joshi wrestlers but it was kind of compared to the Luchasaurus thing where do we believe Luchasaurus is really a dinosaur? Probably not. But Chris Statlander is actually an alien in this whole thing. You know, it, 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 it it's too campy. It's weird. It's it, camp. no, it, it's campy. And I, you know, you could even hear commentary trying to make, you know, good intention jokes and just being careful about how they're wording it because it's so weird. It leads to weird sentence constructions. Um, and yeah, I, I just this does nothing for me. And like camp is the right Lander word doing, for it. doing the uh, you know doing the cartwheels and the boop on the nose. It's fine once. You know, at the beginning of the match, 
You know, it's kind of like the Orange Cassidy soft kicks where everybody's like, oh, my God, they're killing him. You know, the audience is in on it. Fine. But after you get that done with, let, let's get to the meat of the situation. I, I just it's it's one of those things where they're sending mixed messages. It, it really is to me. I, I And I think. I, I don't know why you're pushing Statlander right now rather than just building her when you had already established a number one contender like a previous week with it's, it's, it's everything's confusing. Is, is there an injury somewhere in there that I don't know about? That's what I'm kind of asking myself right now. And then it's to have, totally confusing. And then to like, have Statlander involved with the Brandy road stuff as well. It's like, it just continues to further undermine it. It's monsters versus aliens, Jeff. Oh, jeez! Oh, Everybody loves monsters versus aliens. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind characters. I don't mind characters and other things like that. It's just, it, it, it's just you're setting mixed bet because you were originally building as you know, especially on All In. If you if you go back to AEW's history, all the way back to All In, when you had Tessa able to work a show, and you had Britt Baker and Kylie Ray and and Nyla, even Nyla Rose was at least presented seriously at the time before the beast character really kind of got up and running. You know, you're, you're talking about, this is the future of women's wrestling. They're athletes. They're this at the other. And then you get into, you know, you start to toe the line a bit with Riho and Emmy Sakura and, you know, the Joshi influence where they're a little bit more charactery. And now we've gone to full sports entertainment light type stuff. It's, very jarring compared to NXT's presentation of the women. Yes. Yeah. Shannon NXT, Baszler is yeah. the no-nonsense athlete that I want. Yeah. Um, we can talk about that. Uh, I think I'm kind of done with AEW. Oh, I want to talk about Spears and Tully. This was like the first time where I didn't feel like they had great on-camera chemistry. Like, they're stepping all over each other's lines. They're doing those live. I think I don't think they're cutting those backstage before the show or anything. I think they're going live with that. And that's a mistake. You yeah. have all day to cut these and then cut them into the. There's a lot of production issues here because I remember I watched. Uh, um, they, they, they tweeted out the, uh, the Sammy Guevara joke about the picture in picture. Yes. That, that was ev- funny. I that saw event- that. That eventually went, but the thing was when Sammy is, they they have overcut uh, Christmas music with Sammy Guevara doing doing all the all the slides that they were supposed to show during that time. The problem was they left the mic on, or they had a boom mic there, so you hear Sammy switching all the poster boards and stuff when it wasn't needed at all. You can shut off the mic and overdub the music. It's just those little things. Here you can have Tully. Because he did this also last week as well when, when he's in the tunnel and he doesn't come out with uh, with uh, Spears and Kip Sabian at, when, they're, when they're a tag team. And they're just cutting them on the fly like, okay, you have 30 seconds, go right now. And when they could take care and do more um, uh, product... Uh, I'm I'm trying to think uh, quality control. That's the term I'm trying to find there. Quality control of these interviews and promos, as opposed to we have to do them live right now on the show as we go. I, I just it's 
yeah, Tully didn't come off very well here, I thought, because he's saying things to me he doesn't believe. The stories about him and Arn, where he was just trying to, like, fabricate, like, well, you remember me and Arn, we'd just look at each other and we'd just, we'd know, man, man, we'd know. So, real quickly, before we move on from AEW, I do want to talk about the mechanics of the Dark Order beatdown, because I think that <laughs> it could have been okay. I, like, it would never have been good. It was a bit silly, but but why was it silly when, if it had just been the Bucks and SCU getting jumped by the horde of guys... I don't actually think that would have been that bad, especially when you have uh, the tag team guys coming in and they're the ones getting initiated by you know them and the Dark Order jumping four people. That makes some sense. Where things fell apart was someone was like, nah, but old school booking says that baby faces come out to save other baby faces. Okay, right. And you and I might in, in a parallel universe have said that on this podcast. But the issue is, so now they tried to block out what that looks like, and they just had one after another. Cody comes down by himself. Dustin comes down by himself. Uh, Chris Daniels comes down by himself. And they get beaten up, and commentary's trying to put over this idea that there's more and more of these Dark Order guys coming out. And, And if there had been, if they had, like, 50 extras, and it was just like a swarm of dudes that Evil Uno has assembled, and Evil Uno cuts through them, the visual of that would have actually been pretty cool. The problem was, the maximum amount of Dark Order guys that were going to show up, the bulk of them showed up right away. If there were some more who dribbled in later on, it was like four, five, or six more, when really it should have been just like waves, just completely overtaking them. How do you... None of those, you know, all the green mask guys or whatever, none of them are wrestlers, but how do you possibly contend with Evil Uno, this tag team he is now restructured, and, and a swarm of dudes? Yeah, the Beaver Boys and the Dark Order and the Geeks against your top, top baby faces, supposedly, in the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, uh, <laughs> Cody. <laughs> you know, you're just like, no, we want to see them against... We want to see them against the inner circle. I think it's it, it, to me. It's more of, it's more of man. What what would have happened if uh, the Barbarian, the Warlord, T. Joe Khan, and Baron Von Raschke had taken out Dusty Magnum and the Road Warriors? You're like, no. We want to see them against the Horsemen. We don't want to see them against. Hey, what if the Dungeon of Doom actually yeah, the Dungeon took of over Doom. WCW in 1995? Yeah, if, if they had actually beaten Hogan. <laughs> yeah, right, right, and then had like a real run on the top from '95 to '96. You know, there there are guys, there are guys you can go. Yeah, I can see them defeating the good guys, but the good guys will get there. And there are guys where you go, how in the hell did these geeks beat up the best guys in the world? <laughs> type of thing. It, it's it's. It, I think that's the disconnect. And, well, you still had stupid baby face syndrome. It was yeah, a different type of stupid baby face syndrome. It wasn't the, why are we just standing in the back, you know, not doing anything to help our friends. It was, why are you guys running out into a one-on-20 situation 
assuming that you're going to be able to affect a change <laughs> yes, in, there's, in this there's, mix. There's valiant sacrifice and there's stupid sacrifice. <laughs> it's it's the jack. Or you show up with an equalizer. So you have Chris Daniels show up and he's got a steel chair and he's swinging and he's taking out a bunch of these guys and then he gets overwhelmed. And then you have Cody and Dustin. They show up with baseball bats. Similar story, but they get closer to kind of changing up the numbers. So I, <laughs> there's a way to make it seem more noble and those guys are aware of the odds differential and are trying to do something to even up the odds short of having more people behind them i was thinking jack black and mars attacks when he does have that might be too uh too old a reference so they just they just should have had one of the baby faces scream leroy jenkins as he just ran down to get his ass beat that would have been much better i think yeah, there's noble sacrifice, and then there's stupid sacrifice due to lack of planning. This was the latter. On the other side of the coin, I loved this NXT was almost as good as a takeover. There were some, uh, there were some spotty things in it that you can nitpick, but overall, I thought this was a strong show to end the year. Yeah, I know this. This is great. I hope NXT makes this kind of a thing every year, where the last show of the year ends up being sub takeover level, but substantial i i think that you know at the end of the night you get a big title change the end of Shayna baszler's reign so like that's a big headline and then the rest of the show very very watchable uh the cameron grimes and kushida stuff like just to start on the weakest point here yeah i i don't think this is helping the characterization of cameron grimes i don't like you know he got his hat back like okay i, I just, <laughs> But that's so, that's that's WWE to a T, though. I mean, we had a feud about a ham on SmackDown. Yeah, well, that's that's main roster. I, I want my <laughs> NXT to be. I want my NXT to be a little less insulting to my intelligence, Jeff. And a lot of times, I'm satisfied. Okay, no, that's fine. I, you know what, the one nitpicky thing to me, I didn't like the reintroduction of Gargano. I really didn't. I thought. I get what they're, they're trying to make that dramatic moment where Finn's like, oh my God, he's here. And then Gargano comes down, beats him with a chair. And you're supposed to, the crowd did not play its part, I don't think, in this one. I think the I, crowd was confused because the crowd kind of likes Finn Balor. Finn Balor is sort of the de facto heel in a match against Adam Cole. But out comes Johnny Wrestling, who's like the most over baby no, face. No, he's the baby face in the match against Hole. He's the one that got hit in the junk. He's the baby face there. Right. right. Yeah, I'm, you, that's you what I'm saying. Deal. No, Sorry. I'm saying... What, who? I'm you, talking... In the match against Balor, yes, but I'm talking about in the match against Cole. Balor is the de facto baby face. Yeah, no, you said he was the heel. That's why I was... Uh, no, no, he's... A, Listen he's to the a tape! Listen to the tape, Chris. You said he was... Yeah, okay. No, I, I understand your point. It's just you worded it. You you mix up the the. the I, that never happens. That doesn't <laughs> happen to me. And, like, what I hate is right now you're just lying. And it's, the, it's one of the last shows we're going to do this year, and oh, you're just God. lying. You're just... Okay, you're just, just, just go on no, with your point. Just go on with your no, point. I'm going to go on with my point now. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to look... I'm, I'm not going to carry this with me, is what I'm trying to say. So... My point is, you have this emotional reset that's supposed to occur. I think that's what the writing was suggesting, where it's like, okay, remember, Balor's kind of a tweener guy. He's a gray guy. And so, yeah, he was the de facto baby face in the match against Cole. But in the feud against Gargano, he's the heel. 
And Gargano's out there with a chair, and he's attacking a guy after he's just had a grueling match where he was the de facto babyface. And I think the effect that it had for the crowd was like, wait, is Johnny a heel now? Because this is, like, pretty shady. You're supposed to be thinking back to when Balor was ultra-aggressive on Johnny Gargano and tried to put him on the shelf, blah, blah, blah. But... It was a weird blocking choice and and a weird time to reintroduce Johnny. They wanted to stage it so that Johnny being a badass coming in and being, you know, alpha male Johnny getting his revenge on the guy who put him out for weeks. And he's so mad that he's going to put a hurting on Finn. And they were expecting this crowd to pop huge for that chair shot. And they didn't. They just kind of went, huh, okay, and (laughs) and kind of went with it. It it wasn't the it wasn't the emotional release that that they thought they were going to get. You could you could tell they were kind of. No, they, they thought that that was going to be comeuppance. I yes. think maybe they even thought it was like kind of um, restarting the feud, but even sort of a payback moment that the crowd was really supposed to be satisfied by. No, I, I agree. I, I think they miss uh, they they misjudged very very harshly. I mean, I'm glad to see Gargano back. I'm looking forward to this feud. Um, but yeah, you you, you can't. And it's, and it's a problem because it's also Gargano who also went over the edge against Ciampa when he lost everything. So it looks like they might be kind of retelling that story a little bit. I mean, I like the unhinged Johnny, but this I just don't. doesn't feel the right. This is not the right time to do this. Yeah, is, is my you've point. already you've 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 redeemed him. Don't make him unhinged again. Yeah, I think they missed the opportunity to turn him heel in an interesting way. Yeah. Uh, was it last year? Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I, I agree. I, I don't think it makes any sense to be retrying that. Actually, it was earlier this year. That's how long this year has been, w- I think. Wow. Wow. It, they, they just they, they drag on these years. Um, so next we had Damian Priest versus Killian Dane. Uh, this is a good match. I just something leaves me cold about both of these guys. Because you don't know, to me, I'll tell you what leaves me cold. You don't know anything except for the commentary buzzword phrasing about either of these guys' motivations or anything. They never cut promos on NXT. I loved the introduction of Damian Priest, that video. And all we've gotten ever since is he's the Archer of Infamy. He's looking to to write his name in the sky of immortality with his archery skills. <laughs> I mean, who is this guy? And why is why are we watching him? And why is he interesting? And what are his motivations? And what does he want out of these things? It's just, okay, these are guys wrestling a match because they're big. And I'm like, I'm cool with that. A little, little upset with the NXT full sale crowd for having the temerity to tell a man who can't help that he has back hair to shave his back as a as a man who struggles with that it's a painful process that I don't particularly enjoy um <laughs> but yeah you don't and Killian Dane after the initial you know the uh, I'm you know I I've, I've been watching violence from my hometown and I'm you know all those vignettes nothing after that either so so I mean you can have character progression it's just I want to see it in the form of promos. I want to see these guys get over. I want to see these guys become personalities that I can get invested in rather than just here's his hook. Here's the character hook. 
and we're going to send him out there to wrestle. And you're supposed to I want to be Phil. slightly into the idea of Killian Dane potentially becoming NXT champion. Because if you're yeah. going to put him in the mix with title contenders, he has to at least be kind of presented as a credible or even potentially interesting champion. Yeah, he can't just be the big guy who moves well. And that's all right, right. No, I, and they, they've been living on that for as long as I think is humanly possible, um, even too long. Uh, yeah, and I think it's time to, yeah, do more interesting things with Dane if you're going to keep him as the upper mid-card gatekeeper type of guy. Io Shirai versus Santana Garrett. Um, this was cool. Interesting slight change of characterization for Io Shirai. I feel like we're almost getting back to her kind of being a baby face. Crowd is trying to turn her baby face. Yeah. Um, except for the one jerk who yelled, go back to China. Well, that guy Shirai heel. shut her down quick. Thank God. Did he get dragged out of uh, the NXT arena? I don't know, but he probably should have been... Uh, thoroughly sussed at least i mean when, when she, she when she shut him down and then went into her splits because she's awesome uh <laughs> uh I, I was very happy about that I, I'm, I'm just like dude that's what i want more of i want i want wrestlers also when people yell stupid things i want wrestlers to interact with those stupid people i really do i think it's fun i think it's fun to watch you know it's like watching the comedian shut down the heckler that's what i want and uh you know, dude, if you're going to, I mean, I'll, I'll give benefit of the doubt that maybe dude was drunk or high or doing something before pre-gaming, whatever, and said something stupid. I'll forgive you once. Don't ever do it again. But don't yell that crap if you can't help well, yourself. Well, I also think that that person should be escorted out so that they can attention seek. Like what, what yeah. you don't want to do at these shows is set a tone where you can yell something like that. And the wrestler shuts you down. You almost kind of get off because you're getting attention. Like after that, you should be escorted out so that everyone else in the room sees, okay, the rules are you can't do that. Like, I know I agree with you. I actually think it would be good to have the wrestlers shutting that down more to get themselves over. But then I do think you actually have to get those people out. Yeah, of the you room. need some you need some crowd control in, in, in the arena as well. I would agree. Because like, I had a situation like that at indie show. Actually, it's PWG. <laughs> and this guy was yelling stuff. There's this dude who used to come in a lucha mask and a moo moo. And <laughs> I remember Chris Hero wasn't taking any of his crap, or it was Super Dragon who wasn't going to take any of his. I can't remember what. He never touched the guy, but you know he should have. That guy should have gotten thrown out, I think, too, because he was just yelling crap all night. Uh, Pete Dunn and Travis Banks. Travis Banks had a really fun match here with Pete Dunn. He's a good wrestler. There's nothing wrong with, with Travis Banks other than he's he has the personality of a buzzsaw. Um, <laughs> and and that's that's the issue. I, I It's weird to me because you kind of last week you got him a fluke win over Jackson Riker. This week you have Pete Dunn struggling against him. Who gets over here? Yeah, actually, okay, I think Travis Banks is the one who got over here just because consider where he is on NXT UK and to the average WWE viewer who's unfamiliar with any of his work outside of the company. Yeah, he's he a is, guy who's he's mid-card. A, he's a guy. And, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a guy. He's, he's so struggling with So the fact with that Legero. he had a competitive <laughs> match with Pete Dunne 
makes him feel like more than just a guy. He was a guy who had a competitive... Like, I, I think that this did help him. I, you can't do this a lot, and part of the reason this helped him is because he's so low in the card. But I, I do think I that think, this I think was to helpful help him, to him. I, dis- I disagree in some ways, because it's, it's it helps him in the bubble. It helps him in a vacuum. But if you don't follow up on this, if next week he doesn't cut a promo and then get a strong win against somebody... Then it's like, then it becomes like, hey, remember when he had that strong match against Pete Dunne? And it's usually set in the middle of a match between him and like Joseph Connors or something. Like when they brought up with Dana Brooks match against Bailey, how Dana Brooke was the one who answered the challenge to Ronda Rousey and got annihilated. And that was supposed to make her look strong. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, oh, that's, that's been, that's been Dana Brooks character this entire time. She answered the call against Asuka in NXT and got destroyed too. It's... She just likes answering calls. That's her character. <laughs> well, work. and those were all under the I've been ignored, so this is going to give me a chance. So let's do yes. it. Anyone with two hands can fight. <laughs> so then we get to our main event here with Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler. And I really liked this. I liked it particularly once Rhea Ripley got out of the Terrafuda clutch. They did such a great job during the entirety of Shayna Baszler's title reign. Protecting the Terrafuda clutch, making it really mean something if you could get to a rope somehow to break the hold, um, and, and making it really mean something when Rhea Ripley finally broke the Terrafuda clutch. And the audience understood the substance and the weight of the moment when Rhea Ripley did that. And they had a really, really great match. I loved the riptide from uh, the second rope. I was reading that Cesaro helped her uh, work out how to do that from uh, the ropes. I was going to bring that up. Damn you. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I liked it other than the ref bump. I really did. I just, I, I'm, I'm prone now to give a groan when the ref bumps because I've just seen so much of it. And it, they don't they don't save it for special times like this where it would be really effective. You know, all the interference and all the other stuff, they do it week after week after week. So it's so it kind of got a groan on me, but I liked the match overall. I thought the celebration in the ring afterwards was a little much, to be honest with you. Although it did bring out Rook Bugenhagen, who I thought had been who had, oh, I thought had left the company. Uh, so that's a good thing. And, you know, the I mean, Rhea Ripley does not scream to me fans and locker room coming out to celebrate with the mosh pit kid. Yeah, it's weird to recast her as the locker room leader, and I, I was left still thinking about her as how is this babyface Rhea Ripley thing going to work? You didn't make the cut to Dakota Kai. Just that that promo alone makes me go, God, you're kind of a jerk on the whole thing. Uh, yeah. I, well, yeah, you can certainly look at the narrative arc of the Dakota Kai thing and say Dakota Kai has a legitimate reason to hate Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley broke up a tag team for her own like sense of what's the cut. Um, and you could even argue it's a faulty assessment of like obviously two people who are in a tag team have a multiplier effect when working together that they wouldn't have working in isolation. Although I will say I think this helps Dakota Kai's heel character now because Dakota Kai was the, for lack of a better term, she was the Dana Brooke of the NXT locker room going up against Shayna all the time. Oh, I'm going to challenge her. I'll be the locker room leader. And she would just get beat every time. I think that'd be kind of cool to, to kind of fold that in to a feud with Rhea Ripley. I think that'd be neat. 
it was just one of those things where as they go off the air, you know, you have fans and wrestlers celebrate with Rhea Ripley. And I'm like, uh, I, I, it just didn't ring. It didn't ring true for me. That's what it happened. No, it, no. I, I think we're, we're waiting for the Rhea, the Rhea heel turn already. Yeah. Like I'm going to keep no, this belt. I've been, I've been poisoned by the poisoned by success and the money and whatever. And now I'm going to do what I can to keep it. Well, it was, there's not really a babyface story for her wanting the belt to begin with. She just wanted to beat Rhea, or she just wanted to beat Shayna Baszler. But like, it wasn't like I'm doing this to help my friend X. I know it's I know it's different opponents. I know it's different times. I'm gonna give you three names. Who do you think did more for the NXT Women's Championship? I'll give you Bailey. I'll give you Oscar, and I'll give you Shayna Baszler. Hmm. Yeah, I was trying to think about that. I go, who is great I know champions? All they've all, they, yeah, they all did a lot for that division. Um, I am going to say Oscar, and here's why: Shayna Baszler, amazing heel champion run. We never got uh, her. I actually think you should have turned her face before taking the title off of her. I, the, the next baddie coming and taking the title off of the old baddie. Um, where I don't like. I like that kind of story. The gunfighter like motif. Yeah, I'm the yes. ba- I'm the baddest gunfighter in town until the other until someone worse comes in, and then I kind of go, well, I kind of like this town now. I, I wish, yeah, it. right. I wish I wish Rhea had come in as like the uber bad heel to like clobber down Shayna Baszler and making fun of how she, you know, like and annihilates fighting play in the first week, and Shayna's having to just fight from under against Rhea Ripley and just gets overtaken. I would have liked us to have been in the final match cheering for Shayna Baszler to get the Terra Fuda clutch on Rhea Ripley. And then Rhea Ripley shatters it. You're like, oh God, how bad is this woman? She's going to be so dominant if Shayna Baszler was this dominant. I, I, I think it would have been a much more interesting tone setting. Um, but Shayna, great heel. Bailey, great baby face. But Asuka's the only person who was able to work both heel and baby face during her title reign. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll be interested to see if they build up some of these people that they've been kind of keeping off TV into threats for Rhea Ripley. Someone like Deanna Perrazzo, who had, uh, who had, who I thought had a pretty good showing against Oscar. On, on I think Raw. they should do a faction against Rhea Ripley. I mean, if you're gonna, it seems to me if you're going to have Rhea Ripley as a babyface, you have to Hogan her up a little bit. She has to be going up against the Four Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom, and like having to deal with numbers and trying to find friends, and friends don't friends stab her in the back a little bit. I, I just that's how you're going to have to book this babyface character. We're gonna have to build up Team Kick, is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Tamina can come down there and challenge. Oh, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to see them find a monster heel for Rhea Ripley. I really would. I mean, I get having great matches, and I want Rhea Ripley to have great matches against technicians. I mean, God help us if WWE ever signed Tessa Blanchard. I'd love to see that, but we're really kind of have a bit of a hole in terms of monster heels on the women's side with both Nia and Tamina not really being used and rehabbing or out for whatever reasons. I, I'd like to, is, is there a female wrestler out there? On yeah. The Nia and Tamina feel oh, you like know who real afterthoughts. Jazzy Gabbard. Gonzalez. 
Reina Gonzalez, I think the Bianca Stan Belair. Hansen wanna be. Yeah. Yeah, no, actually I mean this is sort of the fact that Bianca would be to good too. Yeah, Bianca, Bianca, you're exactly right. Reina, Jazzy Gabbard, like they need to Jazzy. be a faction yeah. against Rhea Ripley. You, you need yes. to have yes, yeah, big people coming in there and like they're all they're all stout themselves, but they also have this numbers advantage thing. And I that's how you're gonna build up Rhea as the credible big Hulk Hogan style champion. Actually you have them be the three muscles and you have someone like Dakota. As the head, as the voice. you have Dakota in there, and then maybe even Ginny. You know, you know what I mean, like Ginny, Gin- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Dakota has like, yeah, like the the small little scrappy one who who is she's really the crazy. The mouth, the mouth of the crew. Yeah, I uh, yeah. Let's uh do a couple of quick things on SmackDown and NXT UK, and then we we'll get to our questions. We only had about five questions, so that'll be a good ending. Uh, Sasha Banks versus Children is my favorite feud ever. Um, I loved the interplay with Lacey Evans's daughter. I was kind of hoping aunt Pam would tell her that Santa wasn't real. Uh, because I do like, I do like that this, I figured out a way to fix this aunt Pam Sasha situation, uh, because they're great together, but separately they're kind of missing something. They have to go full in on the, I'm a role model thing with Bailey and they're yes. not. No, no, absolutely. She needs to give like speeches. Yeah. There, there has to be a lot more. She needs to be coming out and still trying to hug people occasionally. Like they recoil back, have some plants in there. You know, people like they, they, they recoil from her, but yeah, no, really disingenuous. Yeah, she has disingenuous to re- role model really, stuff. Really, really disingenuous yeah. about the role model stuff. Yeah, go out on playgrounds and heckle children. That's, that's what oh, I want. Oh man, some of those some of those vignettes would be great. Like, don't you want to grow up to be like me? Look up to me. You know, I, I was able to chase my dreams, and that's why you should look up to me. <laughs> oh, you want to be a princess? Those aren't real. <laughs> oh, you got a C? You would have got an A if you cheated. Like me. <laughs> There's a slight Bailey twinge that still needs to be there. The good like, part is still in there, but she's giving horrible advice to get now, there. Yeah, all the messaging is now really negative. Yes. It's like you can still be a good person, but you have to be really bad to get there. Yeah, no, I, I get your feel on this. Uh, yeah, Sasha and, and Lacey's kid is not Sasha Izzy in terms of heat, which... Still one of my favorite moments no, in professional wrestling. No, the kid wrestling. was corpsing a little bit. Like the kid. Oh, the was kid a little, knew, but yeah. the kid was also awesome. Uh, yes. The daughter was awesome with the growling face and trying to swipe at Sasha. I thought that was awesome. And, and Lacey's getting better as a baby face, I think, too. I think that's a nice uh, that's You a nice like touch. the Lacey Evans as a baby face thing? I, I do. It, I think I, she needs to change her, her gear. I think yeah, she needs she to change needs her, her gear. gear. I, I, there's something... Look, Weird, like the promo. Billy the promo and Sasha on, on, are not dominant enough. No, to justify. But they're Weasley. Them going, they're Weasley heels. They're Weasley heels. So theoretically, Lacey Evans paired with Dana Brooke should be kill overkill, them. right? Kill yeah, them. yeah. And there needs to be some way that Sasha and Bailey get the upper hand on them. Yeah, definitely. There should be Road Warriors versus Arn and Tully type of dominance by the Road Warriors, and and then and then the two Weasels figure out a way to get out of there. But no, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not all in on Lacey yet as a baby face, but I mean, I've been propping her up since she debuted that she should be a baby face. So it's one of those things. I think she needs to change the, I think she needs to change the pinup girl look a little bit to be more Liberty bell from glow. But that's me. I, I mean, that's just an opinion. Uh, no, I, I, 
I guess it could work. I think that they needed to ease into her as top babyface. Well, oh, she's more. not a top like, babyface yet, I don't think. No, but like she kind of is. She's going up against Bailey and Sasha. She is, but they still see the problem is their top babyface on that brand is so bad at being a babyface right now, which is the queen. <laughs> oh, Charlotte. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I guess Charlotte is the top babyface, but Yeah. Charlotte who acts like a heel. <laughs> yeah, because she's a flair and so she's like constantly yeah. and perpetually booked as a tweener and like Face Charlotte Flair is still like 30% heel. I mean, yeah, you, you have your choice of that or you have Carmella beating MMA fighters. So, oh my God. And hot women giving fat guys hams. I mean, <laughs> and kisses, hams and kisses, Jeff. And meat sweats. They made a meat sweats. Oh, my, okay. That's. <laughs> Uh, NXT UK, uh, not a lot to say. I enjoyed the show. I thought Ginny, uh, had her best offensive performance since coming into NXT UK, which was nice to see. It's nice to see what she can do because what they've been doing with her is mostly squash matches where she doesn't get to show a lot and she kind of cowards out or feeding Tony Storm, who just kills her all the time. Um, Right, right. I liked uh, this new person who uh, they debuted to. Uh, she's the got French, a good look. French, yeah, the French, yeah. Um, yeah, the French woman. I loved that roll into into the rowboat. I thought that was that was slick. That, that's why. Really, and and they uh, also uh, furthered the the schism between Jazzy and and Ginny. Yeah, Jazzy got disgusted with the level of brutality. I think they should have stopped after the first one. Like, she should have done the first one, and then Ginny should have started protesting, because it's like, having Jazzy pick up Ginny, this, or uh, um, Amale, uh, I think that's her name, or Emily. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, a second time, it was already into the overkill territory, so then, like, the third time, it, I just think that was one beat too many. Yeah, I, it went on a little long. It went on a little it long. Did. It could have cut, it did. Cut, cut itself off. Um. I liked I liked the three way promo with Kaylee Ray, Tony Storm, and uh, Piper Niven. Yeah, quite a lot, yeah. especially especially the Piper and Kaylee Kaylee Ray. Just continue. I, her accent is just pure evil, which I absolutely yes. love. Right? Yeah, and it looks like they're going to this dark Tony Storm thing. Yeah, no, no. I think Kaylee Ray. Remember how. Roderick Strong betrayed Pete Dunne during the tag team match against the Undisputed Era, and yeah. that's how he became the tag team champions. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen here, is that at the end of the day, Tony Storm is going to help Kaylee Ray. Ooh. Um, I could go there. I just I think it's going to be one of those, she saw an opportunity and she took it type things on Piper Niven. I, I think that's what it's going to be. I, I don't think they're going to... They're not going to go full Kaylee Ray, but they're going to establish her as a heel to separate her from from Piper. I just, I just, I think they're getting realigned. I think the whole we're going back to the whole Tony and Kaylee Ray are friends, and Kaylee Ray was Tony's mentor, and I, Tony was kind of like that little promo was all like, "I don't have any direction. I don't know who I can trust." Kaylee Ray was a friend. The fact that we've even gotten back to that, it's sort of like Tony's unlearning the lessons from her feud with Kaylee Ray, which makes me think, you know, that leads to her long-term okay. alignment with her. 
I think you need another strong baby face to be involved in this. Then I guess you get to heat up Zaya Brookside. Yeah. That. Yeah. That, that's, that would be actually a good vehicle to a good vehicle to heat up. Maybe killer Kelly could go looking for another. Yeah. Fight. Right. No, we can finally get that killer <laughs> Kelly baby face push. Yeah. That's not, that's not uh, coming. Yeah. Uh, maybe no, but I think that your instincts are right. That, that if you're going to get Zaya Brookside as top baby face, you need to have Tony storm clearly on the heel side of the ledger and not as like the upper, you know, heel either. And they could redo, they could redo that thing where they had the match together. Yes. Except right. now it's yeah. Right. Um, I liked Tyler Bate and Noam Dar as a match, just as a match in a vacuum watching it. But I never bought for a second that Noam Dar was right, going to win that match. Right. I think that the way they as hard have done as they that. tried to tell me on commentary that Noam Dar, this, Noam Dar, that they haven't built him up as the guy that could beat Tyler Bate. Devlin should have cost him the match and then dar is gloating about this victory and the next week tyler bate destroys him in a minute and a half yeah um i like pretty deadly i think it's time to give them a manager and a bit of a push even if it's at the expense of the hunt i i I think i think they've done their due deal their 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 time as geeks getting killed i i kind of like them i do i'm starting to turn on them they're starting to become that mid-card team that i kind of go uh, maybe you give them a little more personality and they'll become interesting here. Yeah, I thought they uh, were going to get the win over Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan because to me, the oh no, they're they're playing they're playing the long they're playing game the here. long we're game for the it, turn. No, they're playing the long game on the turn. I, I called the turn right from the from the get go here. Uh, they're playing the yeah. long game on it. Oh, we need to go back and talk about Bray Wyatt and the Miz and Daniel Bryan. We, we didn't cover that in okay, SmackDown. We can do that. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, there wasn't much to smack down to me other than, and the other thing I was going to bring up, I'll, I'll, I'll yield time to you, Seamus. These promos are straight out of the Drew McIntyre school. You of, just took my line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's people it's are the, small. The locker. It's it's and it's also Bailey saying the locker room. Oh, the locker room. They're a bunch. It's, why is this such a popular thing with Vince? That's what I don't get. Why is he always kind of trashing his his employees all the time on television? I don't get it's it. It's got to be a persisting sense that the locker room doesn't necessarily love all the decisions he makes. Remember, it wasn't that long ago that a bunch of them were trapped in Saudi Arabia. I just think it's there's not enough alphas. There's not enough guys standing up to me and telling me to go f myself or whatever in this locker room. So I'm gonna I'm gonna needle these these soft millennials until something somebody comes up to me or whatever and says something. It's 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 lame. It's as bad as lame as uh, as Elias's Caitlyn Jenner line in his song, which I just thought boy was unnecessary stupid. did not land super stupid. well. Why would you have that in? Stupid. No need to put that in. Absolutely no need to put just, that. Just look, I am not Mister Sensitivity. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I watched that. I went. That is just that is just a line that's going to piss people off, and it deserves to piss people off. And if you just backed off from you laughing at it for a second to think about how that would play, yeah, yeah. So SmackDown and also the pay per view were a. Kind of 
disappointing follow-up to what I thought was a good SmackDown lead-in to the pay-per-view. Like, I, I like the two different horror stories kind of coming together, The Miz and Daniel Bryan overcoming their differences. There's lots of things to like inside of this storyline. But they have a cartoon mallet, Jeff. <laughs> the, a bunch of narrative stuff is moving through Bray's mallet. Now, if that mallet inside of it, if it was a trap door that had thumbtacks or something, and we were setting up a really brutal spot with the mallet, not that he was ever going to hit you over the head with the mallet, but the mallet had some sort of secret weapon inside of it, and so he'd pull it out, act like he's going to hit you with that, but there's nothing in there. There's something actually painful, like a, a, a spiked glove, you know, coal miner's glove, one of those old-style things. That's interesting to me. And then he could also stash stuff away back inside the trap door inside of the mallet. Uh, the threat Chris, of hitting Daniel Bryan. Yeah, go ahead. Daniel Bryan was taken into the, the uh, metaphorical version of hell, which apparently exists under the ring in WWE. Had his hair ripped off and never told us one thing about what was down. I there. have no idea what happened to me. I just woke up. <laughs> I mean, you can hear Daniel Bryan sub commenting that line as he's delivering that line on SmackDown. He gets that that's impenetrably stupid. And it's a real failure to tell. I have, I've been on a crappy horror movie kick recently, like when I've been like editing stuff or just cleaning the house. So I'm, I guess part of the reason why I've been able to scan the Bray Wyatt Fiend stuff as it's horror movie storytelling. Like the reason people are having a hard time with it as a wrestling plot is that really these are horror like plot arcs that are being ported into wrestling, which makes some sense with the Bray Wyatt Fiend character. It's what you can do with him. But yeah, the, the actual delivery here. And then the Miz coming out this week. I'm a changed man, but I'm still in this ridiculous leather jacket. Uh, I mean, if he came out in a t-shirt and jeans and like Brian and the Miz for the first time in years, there's no like crazy bearded, long haired Daniel Bryan and the Miz is not Hollywood. The Miz, but they're both two dudes in t-shirt and jeans. That's an image. Daniel Bryan comes out in a button down polo, clean cut. Looking pretty good and built in that thing, you know, serious looking to fight. Here comes a Miz in a in a in a burgundy leather. <laughs> it looks like you, you remember the you remember the cell with a headband. Do you remember the cell? I, I don't watch crappy horror movies v- with I'm, Vincent Demoff. That was not a crappy. I remember yes, it. Yeah, with her, 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 her great dude. J-Lo. Back in the day, all the graphic designing and the set designing in that movie it was incredible. I don't like horror. I don't like horror movies, and Trisha hates me. For okay, it, so well, that's one more going. reason not to like you. But it, the point is, it, it rem- like his coat looks like something that Vincent D'Onofrio's character wears in the cell. It's like you, you're dressed as a clown, and you're coming here down here to tell me you're serious. Shut up! <laughs> it's like if I were Daniel Bryan, I'd look at him and go, "Go to the back, put on some some knee pads over blue jeans, and we'll talk." Yeah, you know, just, just, I'm, I'm down here as a father. And he also should have been out there with children. the weapon. Like these guys need to realize yeah. that they're at a point here where Bray Wyatt, particularly the fiend who has exhibited the character trait of not being able to feel pain. You need a weapon. You need a weapon. Mrs. Mrs. The guy in that Geico commercial making fun of horror movies. 
It's like, it's like I'm going to wear this outlandishly gawky costume to go hunt this the evil bad guy. I think I'm going to go hide behind those chainsaws over there. I guess the point in all of this is to say that it's not massive tweaks to take this from Shitsville to something that's actually fairly watchable. But they have had yeah. really bad instinctual choices and they fail to capture the points where the protagonists need to feel serious. And, you know, so then let's get to Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler. If they had been used as plot devices to start building some unity between Daniel Bryan and The Miz, okay, that's great. Inserting Baron Corbin into the main event picture over his ridiculous... <laughs> makes it less serious! It, it, it completely it it distracts from the story that you actually need to be telling. King Corbin is a goof character. Uh, I mean, really, like, the way King Corbin... <laughs> I'm a king, and my loyal subjects will come out here to worship me, and you will all bend the knee. It's like, are you kidding and me? Nobody knows why Dolph story. Ziggler's wearing that blue SmackDown hat. You know what I mean? Like, there's no good. It's his heel character, but even commentary is trying to parse together. Why does he all of a sudden wear a blue SmackDown hat now that he's a heel? So, so wait a second. Is 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 the fiend now terrorizing the mythical land of Sucktopia, where Baron Corbin reigns as a ruler and his loyal subjects love it? <laughs> like, oh my God! There's too many mythical worlds and. Dumbass stuff. It's just ridiculous. Well, it makes sense. You got Bray Wyatt, who's kind of working a Pee Wee Herman character, and you have uh, Baron Corbin, who's now the king of cartoons. Oh my god, we're gonna have to get like uh, Globy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I would turn the quarter. Make like a high, make a high If they had Jambi and Globy in in Brayway's playhouse, I would love that. Um, let's go back to TLC real quickly. So the Bray Wyatt entrance, I basically predicted that to a T that he was going to come. Yeah, take it yeah, with yeah, you. Sure. Um, the crowd didn't quite know what to make of the schism between the two. I think they. this is where Bray working an enhancement match against somebody during you know the last couple few weeks here like a no-namer, where he comes out and he's like gives him a hug and he acts super nice, and then after the belly goes all Waylon Mercy on him. Um, I, I think that that would have gotten the crowd better prepared for championship Bray Wyatt coming for, out as... For the look of Miz beating up a guy in a cardigan sweater? Yes, yeah, right. Everyone's <laughs> like, no, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. Like, I, I think you need to get over... Bray's weird inverted relationship with pain. Um, also, you need to figure out what's the end game on that. And I, I do have my doubts that they have a coherent ending to this. Um, but I think that <laughs> having in like set up matches to get over when Bray's attacking or when Miz is attacking Bray Wyatt, not the fiend, but Bray Wyatt in the cardigan. This is not a good guy that he's attacking. I think there are a lot of people in the crowd who are not following along with the arc, and so it did leave the crowd very sort of confused. Um, also, I think that the Miz, the intensity in that match, need this is the problem with the Miz. He is a great actor. He's great at delivering these promos, even the most ridiculous ones. But the matches do leave you a little cold. Supersized for the holidays. We'll get to the AMA in just a second. Uh, my last thing on uh, TLC, Kyrie Sane. God bless her. She was obviously concussed. 
at some point in this match. She is a great heel, though, in peril, yelling for Asuka, grabbing at Becky's knees. And I think at that point she was actually hurt. She was basically saying, don't put me through this table right now. Um, But uh, that was the match for me to watch. Uh, It was sloppy, as sloppy as it was. I thought Asuka and Kairi Sane did quite well in it uh, for what they could do. Um, But damn, if they didn't take liberties with Kairi Sane on that one. Yeah, I hope she got some hazard pay for for that night of work. So we asked for questions. We asked for any kinds of questions. You gave us wrestling questions, which is fine. This mailbag does not open but once a year, so you all get chances to ask me anything. It's gone well before. We'll see if it goes well now. I have not heard uh, these questions off, except for one, so I'm I'm excited to hear these for the very yeah. first time. We're going to improve after the first one, I can guarantee you, because I think the first one is a, either a troll question or trying to uh, get a plug in there. Uh, username Cena Rules Roman Drools. What happened between you and the people of Wrestling Soup? Do you, spelled you, hate Wrestling Soup? Where is that other host? Why, spelled why, hate Donald Trump? Wrestling um, Soup loves I our show. Never... They, they think we're great. They're always telling us how great we are. Um, they, we have no problem <laughs> with them because like, I'm getting DM'd by the guys in Wrestling Soup all the time. And they're like, hey, Chris, keep up the great work. Jeff's really great, too. And I'm like, hey, that's really nice of you guys. And I, I think it's a great thing that Wrestling Soup does, plugging our show. And it's, it's just, it's nice. <laughs> it's, it's nice to be nice when it's time to be nice. Cutting through Chris's great sarcasm there. Uh, Wrestling Soup and us, we've never had any interaction. No, but if you're going to, you know, plug them in some sort of like weird kind of reversal thing, I'm going to turn <laughs> the tables on you, my friend. Um, I have no problem with anybody. Uh, the only other than people who try and destroy me regularly on the I've internet. I've literally never um, talked the only... to the guys. I, I wish them well, but I've also yeah, I've never heard I. their product in any way, shape, or form. The only people that really had a problem with me were a bunch of people over at uh, the We Don't Know Wrestling types, and I I never got that. I think it was just due to our our affiliation with Voices of Wrestling, and I went on a couple shows that you know those guys were doing. And they got really mad at the host. They got really mad at me. But I knew one of the guys from the PWG line. And I said, be happy. I was always happy to do anybody else's podcast when I was trying to grow this thing. And 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 just in general, because I like talking wrestling. I like talking with people. I like doing things like that. They had a real problem with that. But I never had a problem with anybody else. And then, you know, you had guys like Frey who were like, oh, he's a WWE hater. He's just going to whine about the." It's like. Okay, great. You guys don't like me. Don't listen. I got no problem with you. Been nothing but nice to people in person and online whenever they asked something of me. I've never rejected a request for the most part to be on somebody else's podcast. I've never trashed somebody else's podcast online to my knowledge i've criticized people's opinions but i've never said don't listen to yeah i would never say don't listen to somebody's show it just like that's such a yeah. it's, i mean like it, it's rare that you even get that out of me on like the don't worry about the government side like i i think that's such you could disagree with somebody's takes and still go like yeah but you know like listen to different viewpoints especially on something like wrestling i think the the best thing you can do for your own ability to see the product and maybe realize what you're not seeing about the product is to listen to alternate takes. So listen to the 
like AEW tanky take. Listen to the WWE tanky take. Like, what's the name of the uh, busted open radio or whatever the one on Sirius? Go listen to them. They, they, you know, they have an opinion too. They, you know, listen to voices. Yeah, yeah. The us. flagship to, has a different. Listen to yeah, Dave. They have a different opinion from us. Dave Bruce and Todd Martin. I mean, everybody. You know, there's a lot of good analysis out there. There's a lot of people trying to be good analysis and and working their way through it. You know, find who you like and who entertains you mostly, and go listen to them. Whereas that other host, Rob McCarron, is currently married and living in the afterglow of his, of quote unquote his Washington Nationals winning the World Series, even though he likes twenty different teams. Um, why hate Donald Trump? <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, like here, I'll, I'll just go going short on this versus long one. Go and listen to "Don't Worry About the Government" if you want to hear. Like, why do I think he should be impeached? Which is different from why I don't like him. Um, like if, if we're saying, why don't I like him? Uh, I just can't countenance anybody who mocks dead people as openly and as comfortably as he does. Like if I knew somebody in my life who did that, if I had a friend who was like over at my house and was just joking about maybe somebody's burning in hell, I'd be like, whoa, that's, that's a lot. So, um, you know, hate's like an active thing that I'd have to hate means you have to care about right, right, in some right. Way. Yeah, and I just don't. Yeah, it's not. To... But but to say it, like I hate that behavior, absolutely. Like I mean, he said yeah, he says and does actions that I don't countenance out of anybody that I keep in my own life, and I don't like those behaviors. But like him himself, dude, I've never met the guy. I'm never going to meet the guy. I think his. Don't know him well enough to hate him. Yeah, no, but like, do I hate that his kids go to, like, for example, Mongolia and kill an exotic ram and need to get led there by a team of actual hunters from that country and they set up the kill for him and then he's one of these guys who's holding up like this very rare animal that he, any five-year-old could have killed given the same resources around them. Yeah, I, I, I hate that behavior, but that's not... It's not even specific to Donald Trump. Like, I hated when that uh, dentist went and killed that line because it was a similar situation. That guy didn't hunt down the dentist. So to, to answer your question, the reason I don't like Donald Trump is that he does a lot of things, behaviors, not just like political actions. He just has a lot of personal moral um, behaviors that I consider to be bankrupt. Cody, your boy. Gave us a few questions. I'll read them and I'll go first while you think about them. <clears throat> Who besides Seth Rollins would you put with CM Punk in a return match? If Ronda comes back, what's left for her to do besides the Becky rematch? And what's left for John Cena and The Undertaker to do at WrestleMania? Um, I will take these while Chris thinks about his answers. <clears throat> Who besides Seth Rollins would you put with CM Punk in a return match? Um, Daniel Bryan. Uh, first and foremost, seems to be a good idea. I wouldn't mind a younger NXT guy on the Mania card, something like a Johnny Gargano, I think would be a heck of a match with CM Punk. Um, Adam Cole wouldn't be a bad match with CM Punk. Kevin Owens wouldn't be a bad match with CM Punk. I mean, you can do, I mean, and this is going to go into my Ronda answer. You can do anybody if you build it well enough and you get enough heat there. And CM Punk's going to bring heat. I just don't have as much faith in CM Punk's in-ring smoothness because he was already 
he wasn't sloppy, but he was clunky at times. I'll, I'll say he was yeah, clunky, yeah. but okay, I'm not so a, this kind of gets into I'm my not a answer. Wrestler. Uh, for who, we'll, we'll take him one at a time here, um, so I can keep him. Someone who can yeah, carry exactly. him. <laughs> so I think it needs to be a brawler. I think you need to have someone okay. like Tommaso Ciampa who can have a little bit of that outside brawling thing. Maybe even Finn Balor. Uh, CM Punk can do most of the talking in that feud. Balor can do most of the working, but they can kind of brawl outside. I'd even like to see CM Punk come back and face bigger guys. Similar idea using the equalizer. I, I'm with you, dude. The, the matches were a little clunky at the end of the run. So I think you're going to need some smoke and some mirrors and just... Punk being more of a John Moxley type of character, the type of guy who might throw you onto the thumbtacks or that sort of thing, versus trying to do the Pepsi plunge off of the top ropes. If Ronda comes back, what's left for her to do besides the Becky rematch? Again, you have any number of people you can build for Ronda Rousey if you do it right. I think Sasha Banks, Ronda Rousey, would be a fine feud, even though they did that kind of as a squash on SmackDown once. Bailey, if you resurrected her, you could do that too because she's a good enough technician to carry Ronda. You could do you could do Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey in a wrestling That's my match. Answer. I'm sure they'd be down for yeah. that. Um, and I, you know, I just there there are people there that you can do this with. I think there's more that can happen with than just the Becky rematch. But yeah, Shayna Baszler wouldn't be Oscar wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Rhea either. Ripley and Armbar Armbar versus yeah, Armbar. Oscar would be cool. Um, Rhea Ripley. Uh, I think eventually, yeah, she's going to be in there. position for that. You know, I mean, even people like Jazzy Gabbard, I think that J- Jazzy Gabbard can have a good match with uh, Ronda Rousey. No. Well, we're talking a one-off, you know, if we're going to build to a mega match, I'm not putting Jazzy No, but I think put Jazzy Ripley in there and Shayna Baszler are actual, like, good candidates for this. Yeah, yeah, and any of the horse women you could do. I still would love a horse women versus some version of a horsewoman feud on the other side. Maybe take Shayna and Ronda and then bring in two people like Tessa Blanchard and Mercedes Martinez. Another Charlotte but, feud you know, will be me. good. I mean, Charlotte and Ronda were some good matches. They were pretty good. I'm, I'm kind of done with watching Charlotte and, and Ronda. Uh, yeah, I mean, around. but we're talking about Ronda coming back in, what, like six months to a year? That, that'll that be some serious yeah. space. And Charlotte... You have to choose what you're doing with Ronda this time around. Are you going to go strong baby face or strong heel? What's left for John Cena and Undertaker to do at WrestleMania? Uh, for Undertaker, retire. I, I'm kind of done, and he's kind of struggling. I'm. He really, needs to just I, lose I to Baron Corbin. Jesus. No, uh, you know what I mean? It'll be great. He'll just be like when Baron Corbin beat Kurt Angle, it'll build up Baron Corbin really strong. I think you beat The Undertaker clean as a sheet to Baron Corbin at the next Mania. John Cena to me, I could see him being one of those people you put in with CM Punk at the top of a Mania card as the as and just doing the promos where CM Punk has never headlined WrestleMania and, and big match John being a part-timer going around has still headlined WrestleMania and Punk hasn't. And those promos would be pretty and good. And you know what? If you did like about a match. hardcore match, something like Cena isn't hardcore, yeah. this is the perfect way to smoke and mirrors those two guys. They can have a great promo war going into it. We can have a little bit of nostalgia for the pipe bomb and everything. And, you know, have like the pipe bomb revisited with CM Punk talking about John Cena. And then, yeah, like they, they're doing a whole bunch of 
gruesome looking bumps that are actually much easier on their bodies than a series of suplexes and top rope planches, etc. Andrew Rich has written in AMA question for the SCR boys. No shock that it's music related. I recently wrote an article for Voices of Wrestling. Yes, I did just slip in a plug. Uh, what is, it, so what is this? Is, this is ask us anything, not plug your shit. That's that. That's not what AMA means. <laughs> it's not PYS. Uh, I recently wrote an article for Voices of Wrestling about the downgrade in WWE's in-house music in 2019. Not just in terms of the quality, but also the lack of information and availability of these themes as well. It doesn't feel like WWE really cares about presenting music with as much importance as they used to. Do you see that changing in 2020, hiring a named composer, crafting more recognizable songs, officially releasing new themes online again, etc.? Or will WWE stay the course on this? I hate to say it, but I think WWE stays the course on this. And it's it's one of the more alarming trends to me about wrestling. Not like alarming, oh my God, but uh, troubling trends to me in wrestling right now. As you watch AEW and you watch WWE and like the standard WWE rip is like, it's just like super low, super growly. There's no defining five to seven note melody that really sets you off. I mean, you have some contrarian examples like Shinsuke Nakamura's theme that has a th- melody that people can hum and really latch onto. But, you know, look at like Travis Banks theme song. Um, even like Pete Dunne's theme song is more memorable, but that's like, it's more of a drum beat merged with a guitar riff. And so like when you're humming the Pete Dunne theme song what you're really humming is boom 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 which is just the same note and it's kind of like pairing with yeah but you're actually kind of humming the drum beat if you really think about it and just putting a little bit of a bass note into the kick drum um and that's kind of the problem even seth rollins's theme i i feel like kind of suffers from a bit of that generic like it's percussive um but it's not melodic and and i think that's been a real problem for them. They don't use themes to set moods. They're so hung up on this idea that low chugging guitars over metal drums portrays the aura of badass that they don't think about the idea that when you have everyone with that theme, that mood gets really muted because it's like looking at a painting where the surface color is orange. Um, you know, orange as a as an accent color, very strong. Having a very strong, chuggy, hard rock theme in between, you know, kind of more tame themes and production themes like in the you know, the 90s, right? You'd have guys still coming out to generic-ass music, and then you'd have the star wrestlers coming out to something that's got like kind of a shreddy riff, like, you know, Sting would have that kind of chugging, urgent-sounding riff that would contrast to the dude who just walked to the ring with, a, you know, kind of a lame, like, rock and roller sort of theme or something, something nondescript. You have a color change. The problem with WWE's production music right now is everything's coming out orange. Um, and so I, I do think, to your point, getting a named composer into the mix would make a huge difference. Um, but I worry that Vince and, to a lesser extent, Triple H don't really see the value in creating a new Jim Johnston type of person. It's overhead. Yeah. It's right. overhead for them. They don't and like the idea of those persons becoming essential either. I think they like the disposability. I'm going to be honest. I am I am more 
or I was at least more supportive of CFO than most people because I thought they were doing something rather clever. I if you if you look at CFO's themes and the ones that they did, it's obvious they sat down with someone. Sometimes they would just build a bunch of things in a certain stylish way, like the uh, the infamous story about the the glorious theme was originally going to be for Nakamura, and to me it was obvious they were trying to ape Queen slash Freddie Mercury on that, and it just happened to fit with Bobby Roode even better. But it's obvious to me that they would go to talent and ask, who are people you like? And then they would try and do some sort of knockoff theme about that. Like, I mean, I I really liked uh, yeah, Sasha's Yeah, say Sasha Banks' theme, theme is, is one of the better themes. Bailey's, yeah. Bailey's yep. theme wasn't too bad as a baby face. I really liked that a lot. I think Dana Brooks is pretty good. If you can get to the second uh, second stanza, which nobody ever does, but it's pretty good. Asuka's theme uh, is pure dread. I mean, a lot of the women's themes are pretty darn good. I even like Shayna Baszler's the theme, too. <clears throat> I am convinced Shayna Baszler's theme was supposed to be Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, no, that, that, theme, uh, that theme's because cool. Of, because of the horses in the beginning? Yeah, it, yeah it's pretty it's cool. Because cool it's got the... I mean, well, that was also back when they thought that Shayna was going... To, they were going to do the horsewoman angle with Jessamine and yeah. Ronda and everything. But, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I mean, that's a good example of the very heavy progressive metal riffing, that chugging sort of riffing, but also actually being accented with clear melodies and yeah, no, yeah. Like, and, it makes and it stand that's out. A yeah, that's the real problem. It's no, so you, it's all percussive. You're exactly and right because because you get into the things like the uh, was it the dubstep cowboys when they were they were a tag team that was just it was a bunch of nothing and noise. Uh, Blake yeah, and yeah, theme. it was it was lasers and but, then like LFO filters that were set at like triplets, but that's all percussive. Um, and, but you yeah. kind of get the same thing with you kind of get the same thing with Kaylee Ray's theme, even though I like the theme a lot. That you know, it, it's very repetitive. It can be catchy, but I, I think you're I right. There's not a lot of originality. Catchy though, you know what I mean. I, I also don't. Yeah. The, the whole thing with Kaylee Ray is her character is sort of built to be nondescript. But like that, the the problem is like the Drew McIntyre themes and just the. A lot of people's themes are being produced without much care for characterization or memorability. They're not writing these songs or these hooks to be hooks. They're trying to write a bed of music. And, and I, it's almost like you're soundtracking somebody walking to the ring rather than thinking about the idea that it's like the melodic motif of the character that makes us uh, think of them. Like... I used to play, you know, a bunch of video games as a kid, a lot of like fantasy video games. Chrono Trigger always stands out to me. Every one of those characters has their own theme. And so like whenever you'd have them join the party, the melodic theme would pop up for them and you'd hear it and it becomes a trigger for them. I I think that's one of the big things that's missing. And then when you go over to AEW, um, I, I think the... The real opportunity missed here is WWE has been kind of creating a vacuum here in, in terms of catchy theme songs. And one way for AEW to really kind of stand out and kind of grab you through the TV is to have these like really hooky songs. And with the exception of Jericho's theme, uh, Judas is great. Like, like that, that is a good song. Um, like like that, that chorus is a catchy chorus. But with the exception of his theme, most of the AEW themes are completely unmemorable or borderline annoying like SCU's theme. 
I'll give WWE a little bit of credit for this. I think the 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 available music, and I don't know who they have the deal with, but they'll sometimes hit on a theme song for an event or something that's really good. Like I, the one that sticks out to me. Was, give me the uh, green light because I'm ready to go. Oh God. Uh, I was thinking the first Mae Young Classic when they did Dorothy's Missile, and that is a good song. I love that song a lot. If I'm AEW, I'm tr- because they're on TNT, I'm trying to make a deal with Warner Media and trying to get Warner Records involved in this and get some real music because that's, to me, when, when I did Andrew's show a couple times when I'm talking about real songs, and just the emotional connection. NWA's way on the right track the- with this, with taking Dawkins into the fire, a yes. lesser known rock song, and you you cook it and you make it into a hit. What they did with that, I mean, I, I've actually I got very interested in this just one day because it's like, man, it sounded so crisp the first time I heard. It. I thought it was like something fresh from this year, but it's, it was actually a pull from 1984. But they remastered it and they stereo spaced it out and they cleaned up like each individual track. And I think that that's the instinct that has to happen here. So it's not like try to get Guns N' Roses Paradise City. No, 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 no. You're gonna spend way too much money on that. Find a lesser known band that just has a really really cool riff like there's a band i like called diamond head like there are so many great cool diamond head riffs find an old diamond head track clean it up make it sound crisp and ready to go for 2020 especially for like an arena um but but find smaller more obscure bands and and use real music yeah it's kind of like what they did even with uh Kill switch engage with uh, the fire burns for for punk. I mean, I, I mean, it did so much for his Randy character. Orton's theme. I, I think another yeah. another good instinct. But yeah, if, Bray's first theme. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I even like the re- remake too. But I mean, yeah, I mean, they were doing that for a while. This pool of undiscussed. I mean, if I'm AEW, I go to Warner. I go, who are your guys on the come? Who are your up and comers? And I would just take talent in there and go listen to anything. If anything strikes you as as good, make a deal, pay the royalties, pay everybody involved. But we don't have to break the bank on it, and it's a real song, and we could be onto something. Yeah, and and that will give you the other thing here. This is why I don't like having even just exclusively one production library or exclusively one production team. Different producers just have different ways of spinning the wheel some people do eqing one way other people eq things a completely different way there are techniques that are lifted from the 50s 60s 70s 80s and they're done to taste and i think when you have just one team um myself I have a certain way I like to produce stuff, and I am biased towards that unless you go, no, I really explicitly want it mixed this way with these sensibilities. I, you know, stuff is going to come off the presses with that certain imprimatur that I would have or any one production person would have. Going to completely different production houses, stuff that's engineered in completely different studios, stuff that's recorded in completely different methods, that's how you're going to get that real different sonic color. And that's the other problem for like AEW and WWE. All the stuff sounds like it's all recorded in the same place. And so that ends up kind of washing over the characters to a certain extent as well. And it also makes the characters who aren't a victim of that. So like when Randy Orton comes out, his song still kind of like is jarring and and striking because it's different from all the chuggy riffs. 
Yeah, but I mean, and also Randy get. I mean, <laughs> Randy's just demeanor is 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 just uh, <laughs> he's just lackadaisically walking down the ring, and and the tone of the song fits his his whole. Uh, Oeuvre, I think it's yeah, know, yeah, essence. yeah. I, I think I, that's I, the word. I was going for that word. I, I was going for that word. I can't say it, so I suck at Oeuvre. I was gonna say Oeuvre or whatever, but yeah, no, no, it fits his entire thing. So yeah, I, I just I think there has to be more co-op. I think there has to be more outreach or more cooperation, and I think somebody could do something about this. But I think for WWE. They like being everything in-house, and they like having low overhead. If there was ever anything I was going to do in the wrestling business, though, this would actually be the thing I'd want to be involved with. Maybe the writing and stuff, but honestly, I would love to just have a bit of a guiding hand in helping get the musical branding right for these characters in, in, in a much better way than it's currently being done. I still think one of the best songs to come out of wrestling was uh, TNA's theme for uh, the Pope. I just, I think, oh, man, that was just, they hit the nail. Get, get that Dale guy. Oliver has Whoever some moments. I, I always liked his theme for Daniels and Kazarian, Bad Influence. I thought that that, it's, it's yeah. a simple theme. It's a simple little riff, but like that little drum beat hits and then like the little chuggy guitars come, but there's nothing to that song. Bring back the Apple yeah, yeah, and no, everything. I, I liked oh, yeah. it though. Like Daniels would come out and he'd be moving and like they had a very active hand in coming up with that theme. So you could see that they are very, attached with the mood that it set and like it it just worked really well for them um and, and i also thought bobby Roode's theme in tna was really good the instrumental version not the one where they're like added the guy like they didn't need to do that but they could have just kept that as a straight theme chris on our patreon will do 20 minutes on the gallus theme and the great um finally uh from my boy matt aka rafiki does aew equal tna 2.0 do they think they have a chance to succeed with ratings that we made fun of tna for having i mean i there Uh, are moments when i am watching that show where I get distinct TNA vibes. It's it's the neon stuff. It's the substandard, you know, to kind of pivot out of the music conversation, the substandard music. There's something about the presentation that is a little subpar. Um, I, I mean, it's obviously, well, better shot and better lit than especially when you look at like launch era NWA TNA or even like 2005, 2006, second launch era to TNA. Um, I mean, it looks obviously better than Ring of Honor. It looks close to on par or on par-ish with NXT, but there are moments with that. Um, some of the character choices. Uh, we've talked about Emi Sakura. Uh, I think she's a good talent, but I think her entrance and stuff kind of brings down the seriousness of the brand. I think and even Brandy Rhodes' character is a little is campy. Um, and then the Dark Order stuff, as we discussed earlier here, also kind of moves into some of those campy impulses that TNA was very prone to. And, and I think the... The idea with AEW was it was going to be a more serious wrestling show where wins and losses mattered, and we're not going full sport per se, but thinking more about some of the eschewed conventions of wrestling that actually serve wrestling in good stead. I'm going to say no, um, mostly because TNA's mistake 
was they went against the main roster number one with Hogan <laughs> in a time when Hogan wasn't going to effing matter. Um, I mean, this is, is oh, Jericho is kind me, of this is, not, he's not Hogan, obviously, but no. Jericho, but, I think is me, a bad impulse. It was good to get him into the company. He should be an upper mid card heel leading an upper mid card faction. But I think there's a real problem with Jericho's title reign overstaying its welcome. I I sort of agree. I'm gonna let me try and flesh this out a bit, and you may have to give me a little bit of space here. Um, I I I view AEW and NXT a little bit more esoterically than some people. I viewed this as a fight to see what the future of television wrestling should be in many many ways. Um, I kind of agree with Chris a bit on the Jericho call. I understood it at the time. I just think they didn't have a great plan for moving on from Jericho because to me, I thought Adam page coming off that hot new Japan run was the guy. I thought he was going to be their new next big star and then while you're building him as a star, then you continue to build Kenny and the Young Bucks and even Cody as big-time players in this. I think everybody came into AEW and did and underestimated the number of competing visions for wrestling that were involved behind the scenes between the executive vice presidents and the money. The money wanted Mid-South or ECW circa 95 to 96, 94, something like that. They wanted, you know, they wanted that kind of style of wrestling a little bit more serious, a little bit more, you know, violent, those types of things. The vice presidents did not all share that vision per se, and they were each given different fiefdoms for which to ply their trade. And to me, the only one who's really doing a great job of it right now is Cody. But they ran into this problem because I think they thought this was going to be easy because all we really have to do is take what people love about New Japan and pro wrestling gorilla and just get the best wrestlers we can get and put on great matches week after week after week. And then we'll, we'll be the best wrestling federation you know, once, once, once we hit the ground running and it just, it, it, you needed more. And they looked around and they said, okay, what do we have to do? That's actual professional wrestling right now. And they went to instincts on what they grew up with rather than history and their instincts were they grew up on WWE. So they're doing a lot of what WWE kind of does in my opinion, other than Cody who grew up hero worshiping his father. And he's doing a lot of what his dad did. And it, it was one of those things where they, I think there was a lot of short-sightedness on their part that they were going to have all these cool acts from all around the world. You'll notice that the OWE guys aren't there that much anymore. And we were, we were thinking they were going to be the future of this company, the guys from China. They're thinking we're going to bring in all these styles and all these athletic people, and then that'll be good enough and we'll just do Peter, we'll just do pro wrestling gorilla every week. 
because I think some of the people that were giving them advice were like, yep, that's a hot product. You should do that every week. And then they realize we need some depth to it and they can't find the depth just yet. They're, they're looking for it. And I think if you want to get people back into Wednesday night wars, Monday night wars, circa the 1990s vibe, the way you launch AEW on TNT is you do an angle, an overarching angle that kind of threads together the show that is the NWO angle, but done in a narratively satisfying way. Uh, the problem with the NWO angle in the 90s and the thing that a lot of people who lived through that back in the day felt was, okay, the NWO never got their comeuppance. It was a year-long arc. I want to see this. I would love to have seen the NWO angle actually have been resolved the right way with Sting at Starcade in 97, right? What if you guys actually did this and like fixed this cosmic wrong of WCW, something that's not exactly that, but actually tell a story parallel to that. And the other thing, the reason why the NWO stuff is useful and what was drawing eyes is that the NWO stuff did roll through the entirety of the show and it gave you a reason to keep watching from segment to segment. Sometimes we get into these matches and if you are not invested in the Emmy Sakura match, it's going to be here for 10 minutes. You can come back to it in a bit. You could see what else is going Chris, on. If I'm going, Chris, if I'm going to you as a lapsed fan or as someone who's never watched wrestling, and I'm saying from the moment they start, AEW is going to be the fresh new thing. Dude, you should watch these matches with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks in New Japan. They're so awesome. Adam Page is awesome. Look at the elite. They're awesome. They do all these awesome videos and stuff like that. And you turn on AEW and you're getting Private Party and the Dark Order and Joey Janela, no offense to any of those guys, you haven't told anybody who the stars of this promotion are from day one. If I'm a WWE fan and I see Private Party, I think that they're a knockoff (laughs) of the Street Profits because I haven't seen Private Party before, but I have seen the Street Profits for the last two years. Yeah, and and I'm going, okay, what are they doing with Moxley? Well, they're kind of keeping him off TV here and there, and he's getting a win here and there, but he's not... He's not doing if a lot. If I was upset about how Dean Ambrose was so handled in WWE and that was going to be the sell to me to watch AEW, Moxley, in my opinion, at this point is not heavily enough involved in the show that I would care. Yeah. Who's, who is who is the star of AEW right now? I would say Chris Jericho. I would say either Jericho or Cody. Yeah, Rose. Jericho or Cody, but but Cody's not able to challenge for the title, so he feels like he's in the middle of the card, and Jericho feels like the strongest entity on that show. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's all you have. And 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 who were you telling your friends that the stars were Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks? Do they feel like stars right now? I get I get their concerns about pushing management. I get it, but your selling point and what you presented are have a uh, has have a chasm there. So. That, to me, is the, the main issue. I don't think they're TNA 2.0. I think they have better management than TNA ever did. They have certain I just, TNA I just, match impulses, though. Like, they have yes. instincts that can be very tna they feel like just another. They feel like just another wrestling show, which is all TNA felt Well, like. also, some of those matches used to have a distinct get-your-shit-in vibe. And that is definitely yeah. how I feel sometimes on AEW. As though if we just get our shit in, then that will actually turn the corner on this match and the way people are scanning this match. 
Mm-hmm. No, I, I would agree. I'm, I'm uh, the jam band aspect that we've talked about is is strong on there too, where it's just everybody wants to do everything in every match, and it's just you know it's it's a bit much. Build stars, build TV stars. You do that through promos and through yeah, not enough, not enough, not great weirdly, matches. not enough talking. I could actually use a little bit more storytelling, like in the terms in terms of interviews and backstage segments and stuff, and a little bit less long ten plus minute, fifteen plus minute matches. We've done enough talking. Um, this will be a supersized episode. Should any of you be traveling? We thank you for taking us along on your travels. Hope you have whatever happy holiday you choose to pursue next week. Um, Chris, you traveling or are you staying uh, staying around? Or are you going to the pole? Yeah, yeah, I'm house, traveling right? up to my parents who live in like North Plano, like on the town line of Frisco. So I'll go. go I'm somewhere. heading out. I'm heading out to Scottsdale tomorrow through Saturday. So if we do an episode next week, it'll probably be a little bit later than uh, than the normal time. But we'll see what uh, happens. We'll see what happens it. next week. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Thank you for being with us throughout this year. I am most appreciative of it. I think I speak for Chris that he is too. Um, And uh, we will probably see you next week. But if we don't, we happen to miss an episode. We'll see you in uh, 2020. Bye. I'd say the best part about editing is looking out and seeing the smile on children's faces. Christopher Novembrino. Oh yes, I think so much has been lost in modern editing. I I look back to the real pioneers of editing from the 60s and 70s, back when people had to edit with their hands. It's just, it's something that's lost in the craft today. Yeah, I'm calling in because you say you've edited hundreds of these shows, but they're all kind of lousy still, so what's up with that? Hey, caller, 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 hey, stop talking for a second. Are you listening up? I'm not the idiot. You're the idiot. I disagree. I think you are. All I did was get one little end of one sound wave wrong, and it didn't line up with the other thing, and then everyone's telling me I'm not any good at this.